Gregor, great to talk to you, mate. The, the, I've just, I've been trying to get through it. I've signed in on my premium thing, and but without giving too much away, you've written uh, uh, what looks like an enticing article about the All Blacks set to pull off one of the great con jobs of modern sport. Are you able to sort of give us a brief outline, as I say, without giving too much away? Oh, look, I'm, I'm sure I can give it all away. I'm sure that's not going to be the end of the world, Miles. Oh, look, I, I think where we've got to with world rugby probably in the last two or three years is that we've lived in a very defensive-driven game where um, defences have been on top probably. Teams um, other than the All Blacks have, have spent more time working their defensive patterns than they have with the ball, and it's been successful. And it's been particularly successful when teams have played the All Blacks, not all the time, but a lot of the time. We've seen you know, the All Blacks come under a lot of pressure when they've faced this kind of uh, defensive line speed when teams have really just given them the ball and said, you can have it, and we're just going to blitz you and tackle, tackle you all day and stop you from being able to move. Um, <clears throat> and they've done that particularly well. But what I think we've probably seen is, that the All Blacks have been quite clever, not always. I mean, it's not been entirely deliberate that they've looked completely uh, under pressure all the time. But I think to some extent, they've always known that they were going to arrive at a World Cup and this is what they were going to be facing. But most of the leading teams were going to look to target them defensively. And my view is that they've probably been, um, not quite secretly, because we've seen signs of a building in the last two or three games that they've played, but they've had an extended training period here in Japan before the World Cup, and I just have a funny feeling that what we're going to see is a, an attacking format from the All Blacks that's going to find its way through these rush defences, render them redundant because they create opportunity. They're, they're, they're kind of risk and reward for the defensive team because you rush up, you leave space somewhere else, and I just have a feeling that the All Blacks have cracked that code, and we're going to see um, a devastating attacking performance from them at this World Cup. Are we going to see that straight up against South Africa or are they going to hold it back, do you reckon, Gregor? Well, look, I think the time is now in that regard, isn't it? I think they want to win that game. Um, and, you know, South Africa are probably one of the leading contenders. So I don't think that they would want to leave too much on the table. I don't think they would throw their full attacking array um, and all the bits and pieces into this one game. But I think... I think there's going to be a simplicity to the way that they do it. I don't think we're going to see um, you know, all the intricate parts, but what we are going to see is an all-black team that uses its basic patterns, its skill, execution, the speed at which they play, and the combination of different ways in which they manipulate the defense. I think we're going to see all that on Saturday because I think they want to put down a marker quite early, and then they want to win the game, clearly, but they also want to put down a marker and say, right, that's the benchmark that we're going to play at at this World Cup. So if anybody wants to beat us, that's where you've got to get to. So how key are the twin pivots with Moanga and Barrett and the twin sevens? Huge. Huge. I mean, we, we, we've seen little glimpses of it um, in, the, in those build-up games. We, didn't see, we haven't seen a sort of complete performance from them for various reasons. But... Clearly, the breakdown in modern rugby is where a huge amount of activity takes place. And if you can win that battle, if you can, uh, if you can pinch turnover ball, particularly if you're the All Blacks, which you can do when you've got three ball winners, because don't forget, Kieran Reid is, is actually particularly good at doing it too. But when you've got the ability to, to put Ardi Savia and Forage at one rack, and then the opposition might win the ball, but they go to the next one, there's Sam Kane winning for them, he might get that one. 
So it gives you that ability to steal the ball. And the All Blacks are particularly good when they do that because they're playing against an unstructured defence at that point. Um, and that's what they want to try and do. They want to try and break down the pattern of the game. So they don't want it to be set piece, set piece, set piece, where teams can have a set defence coming against them. They want to open up the game. So it's playing against unstructured defences for guys like Savvy and Kane become hugely important to do that. And then once you get into that kind of open play, you have two guys in Barrett and Mwanga who can dictate and control you know, how the All Blacks want to attack, make instinctive decisions, use their skills, use their awareness. And at that point, you know, that's, that's when Barrett becomes such a deadly fullback, I suppose, because while he's very good at coming up and being a number 10, he's also extremely quick uh, and very difficult to shut down if you can put him into space. Now, uh, it, I, I, it's a huge game. Huge, huge is, how, is how I would describe it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's exciting, Gregor. In fact, you know, it's, I'm going to look at the game in a totally different way now, just to what you're telling me. But if you look at the uh, the, the other contenders, and, and we, we've got to accept the All Blacks are still the best side in the world, forget the rankings, and still the side that anyone's got to beat to win this World Cup. Who do you think's best equipped to deal with this type of, of approach from the All Blacks? Well, there's, pro- there's probably two teams, um, South Africa being one of them. Look, I don't think you're ever going to get subtlety out of the South Africans, and, they've, and, they, and they might be bluffing, but I don't think so, in terms of they've already flagged up how they want to play. We've seen it all year, in fact, we saw it last year from them. They're going to use line speed. They're a great defensive team. They're very good at it. They're big men. Um, I think they flagged up that they're going to use their uh, defensive prowess to build their game plan. I think they'll do that quite well. They're going to be difficult to break down. Um, and England. England would be the other one. And I think England are a bit of a misunderstood team because I think probably here everyone will sort of talk about the England of 20 years ago and how they don't like to play with the ball and they'll kick it all day. That, that's England of, of old. That's not this current team. They, they are an exceptionally good attacking team with ball in hand. Um, they, they're maybe not quite as adventurous as the All Blacks. They don't maybe play that type of rugby from minute one the way the All Blacks do. But they do, they do do it very well, and they're more than capable of, um, of using their defence, but also winning turnover ball and playing a little bit like the All Blacks do. There's a lot of talk being on the fact that the All Blacks have got the toughest game up front and then some easy ones before they get into the, the real nitty-gritty of the knockouts. Whereas England, for instance, have got their tougher games near the end of their pool stages. Do you, do you think it's going to make a massive difference, Gregor, being able to have those easier games building up? Or do you think you, you get more momentum playing sort of five tough games on the trot? Well, I'm not sure if it matters in the order in which you play them. I think we saw at the last World Cup that probably Australia were in that so-called pool of death, weren't they, where they had to play England and Wales and Fiji in their pool, so they had three particularly tough games. Then they had another tough game in the quarterfinal against Scotland, which they won at the wire, and then a bruising encounter against Argentina. So it wasn't; it was the volume of tough games that Australia played that I felt that by the time they got to the final, um, they they were they were they had chunks taken out of them. They were a bit bruised. They were a bit battered. They weren't quite at their best in that final. Um, but there was a period in that run where it was very good that they'd had those tough games. I think they got through the quarterfinal because we'd been so well-conditioned in the pool. To me, it's the total number of tough games that you have to play because it's very difficult to play two or three really big pool games, and then you come out of them, you might get one soft pool game, and then you're into 
you know, another huge game in the quarterfinal, another huge game in the semifinal, another one in the final. That's what that's what will be difficult for England a little bit because the the totality of the amount of tough rugby they're going to have to play may start to hit them come the semi-final, come the final. We've seen, um, Griggle, quite a few um, stories coming over, the, the 15,000 turning up for Welsh training, the welcomes in, in Kashiwa for the All Blacks. How otherwise, so in, in Tokyo, for instance, are the public buying into it? Is there a high visibility around the Rugby World Cup? Well, it really sort of depends where you are. I don't know if you've ever been to Tokyo, but it's, it's absolutely massive. You know, and it's just an urban sprawl forever. And there are, in the greater Tokyo region, almost 40 million people. So, so the World Cup's not in your face, clearly, because, you know, it's just too big a place for that to happen. I think, I think in, the, in the pockets where teams are based and where they're training um, and where they've been holding training camps, clearly people have been turning up. I think around the railway stations, um, that you know, that around the major stadiums, you'll feel the real rugby buzz there. But look, it's 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 too big a place in Tokyo to feel that you that you're in World Cup Central. Having not been out and about yet into some of the smaller venues, but we'll get there as the tournament goes on. I think it will feel a lot more like that in the in the smaller venues. You always feel that the World Cup's got much more of a hold and much more of a grip. But it doesn't. You wouldn't know there was a rugby World Cup on in in Tokyo at the moment. Uh, finally, the weather's um, been a, another big topic of conversation, uh, as well as the pitch conditions in Yokohama. It's the typhoon season. There's predictions of fair amounts of uh, of rain. What's it like at the moment? Uh, and do you know what the forecast is for, for Saturday? Uh, I don't know the forecast, uh, but having been out running, I can tell you it's pretty hot, pretty humid. Um, so I don't think it will matter too much about what time of day you kick off. That's not going to change in terms of the. It, it is sticky, um, and it is hot. So um, even at sort of six o'clock in the evening, it's still kind of you know shorts, t-shirt, and you're still dripping sweat almost at that time. So that, regardless of whether there's typhoons or, or anything like that, the, the conditions are going to be quite oppressive. Um, when the All Blacks kick off against the box, it's going to be quite demanding playing, and even at that time of night, it's going to be quite difficult. And I don't think that's going to relent throughout the pool rounds. It'll start to cool off a little bit after that. But no, I don't, I don't know the forecast. I think the All Blacks were sort of hinting yesterday they think it might rain, but who knows? Uh, Greg or Paul, thank you so much for for your time, and I um, recommend going to the uh, NZ Herald site. Get you his premium, though, because everything that comes from Gregor's premium uh, and read his uh, his article and his theory of relativity as far as your All Blacks go. Thank you very much indeed, Gregor. Have a great time. Thanks, mate. My pleasure. Cheers.